Hey, I'm Michael Jonathan Smith, one of the writers on Cobra Kai, and you're listening to Cobra Kai Companion. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. And I am Brianna. And joining us again is a writer, Michael Jonathan Smith, who wrote episodes uh, 304, The Right Path, and 309, Feel the Night. How are you doing, Michael? I'm good. Hey, Peter. Hey, Brianna. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. No, um, I didn't talk to Brianna about this, but I specifically wanted you back first because of 304. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> and three hundred nine. I mean, let's let's be honest. Um, so I have many many questions before we even get into the meat of uh, some some of your things. But for, first and foremost, uh, congrats uh, congrats to you, the writing team, the cast and crew for being number one again on Netflix. For Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. The the fan response has been un unbelievable. <laughs> it's been awesome. Especially the season was really... pretty unbelievable. So thank you. It was it's it was like a super fun season to write. It was a super fun season to shoot. It was a super fun season to sit on for what a year. Oh, (laughs) Uh, God. Almost uh, a year and a half. uh, Yeah, I just know that like you guys have been waiting so long. Everybody, all the fans have been waiting so long. So for it to finally come out uh, and for the response to be this good has been great. And, you know, it's been great. Um, well, when it released on New Year's Day, what were some of your favorite things that you saw on social media, like specifically Twitter? Because, you know, we, we follow each other on, on Twitter and, and I, I did see a little bit more likes from uh, the Beardy Whisker. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah, Beardy McWhisker. Yeah, that's my, yeah. <laughs> that's my Twitter handle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I, <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, it, I don't know. I can't remember any specific tweets. I mean, Brianna's live tweets were great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Seeing your reactions were awesome, and trying to parse where you were in the season, uh, based what I was only on context about. clues. Yeah, trying to time out, like, okay, well, if she started right at midnight, then she'd be <laughs> around here. Um, and seeing your tweets, Peter, were great, and just just random tweets that honestly that John Hurwitz was retweeting uh, because I know that he was up. Um, so, and anything that he sent uh, shared, I was able to see and and like, and it, it, I can't remember any specifics, but. Uh, I definitely was keeping an eye out to see if people were watching episode four. So I'll put it that way. I, oh, I, yes. See, see if I could find tear emojis. Oh, yeah. Uh. Well, well, no, I, I think I even tweeted at you with tear emojis. Um, yes, you did. You did. <laughs> I didn't. I, yeah, that was great. That was great. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I, I've mentioned it a few times already. I said that I was going to watch the first two episodes um, per Hayden. That's, that's what he suggested. And then I was like, you know, you know, two is pretty good. Uh, maybe I'll fit in three and four. Not a not a big deal. <laughs> and when fucking Chosen walks in, I was like, I, I can't oh, stop right there. I mean, I, wanna dude, I mean, like three. Fans. I mean, one and two is setting up the season. It's setting up the interactions. Then three, you know, you're like, okay, I'm getting into the season. I'm like in the groove now. I can't stop. Right. Like, well. and then four and five are just a part one, part two. <laughs> and then at that point, you're like, well, what happens after five? I mean, yeah. So I get you. I feel you. Oh yeah, yeah. I I was like. Six something, six thirty when I was in six forty. My wife oh my was not gosh. happy. I was up that late. <laughs> <laughs> Worth uh, it. 
Yes. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, I just finished. <laughs> I'm a little behind than most people, but I just finished my third rewatch last night with my eight-year-old. Wow. And he just, uh, he loved it. He was um, enjoying everything. Loved Dimitri's oh, ho-ho-horrible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. He was laughing his ass off. So, oh, that's um, great. Yeah, th- this is the first season that uh, we were able to bond this way. You know, I mean, I guess Aww. when season one came out, he was, was that 2018? So he was like six. You know, a little bit different. Got but, it. No, that's awesome. Brianna, you got anything else? I, I kind of just been jumping in here with some some stuff I, I had on my mind. Um, just across the two episodes, uh, before we get into specifics of each of them, um, I know Luan and Joe managed to sneak into one of their episodes and end up on yeah. screen. Did you do the same? Uh, I did not. Uh, <laughs> there was actually a... So, uh, in episode one, there's a part where Johnny comes into the bathroom and a guy comes out of the bathroom stall and is like, hey, does this look weird? And then realizes he is clearly not a doctor. And is like, you know what, never mind. And leaves. I was up for that role. Uh, it was a big opportunity. And uh, I blew the audition. Oh, uh, and it, <laughs> and uh, well, because what happened was we actually had a great actor and we were shooting – we were gonna that night. We were shooting that scene. We were shooting, um, uh, what was it? We were shooting uh, the scene where Johnny fights the two guys in the parking lot in episode mm-hmm. one, and we were gonna shoot that outside. And it was early enough in the season where the weather in Atlanta was lightning storms, so it was light. It, the The weather was so bad that we actually had to cancel the shoot outside. It just wasn't safe to shoot it, and we rescheduled that shoot later. But we had to shoot something that night. So we decided to shoot uh, that scene in the bathroom. And the problem was, was that the actor, his wife was about to have a baby. And who was going to play that character? So we, he wasn't able to get there in time, which was a total bummer. So instead, it was, it was down to me and uh, this amazing PA named Chris, uh, Chris Short, Christopher Short, uh, who's great. And I think he's been with us since season one. Between the two of us and Chris, he just he blew me out of the water. Uh, so I did not get the role, but maybe this season, maybe season four, will be my opportunity to sneak in. Uh, I was hoping I could be on the on the tournament board, uh, on the city council, I mean, or something. But uh, I I I think there's a few uh, roles that uh, I might uh, I might try to weave into or just stand in the background for. There you go. Be, you got you guys are just going to be all like Stan Lee, right? And it's it's yes. for the writer in every episode. Yeah, that'd be yes, awesome. Exactly. All right, so the, the the first time you came on, we mentioned how uh, we met you during our visit to um to Atlanta, and when we met you specifically, you were in the middle of a rewrite for three hundred four. Do you remember what the rewrites were? Uh, no, because you know there's there's a lot of little things. It could be, hey, let's let's try to you know we we know we have this location now. Can we change the location? Uh, it could have been, and probably was more production related. I'm sure there was some other bigger notes too, but I don't remember what specifically it was. Um, but yeah, yeah, I could probably date, look at my files and tell you oh. what I was working on. But, uh, but yeah, it's so funny. Cause like when you're on, on, on production like that, it's always, it could be any number of like, Oh, we did a tech, a tech scout that day. So, Oh, you know, this is what the location looks like. We're going to have a stage down here. Um, stuff like that. So. Oh, interesting. That that one comes specifically to mind just because there was an article with Yuji Okamoto who mentions that he got the script in August, 
So that was, you know, the end of the month. We were there a few months prior. I went up to Seattle and had lunch with him. So obviously oh, cool. there's no, there was no mention of Cobra Kai, obviously, but his wife, you know, joined us at one point and she wanted to pick my brain about it and <laughs> ask me about what I thought about Amanda and things like that. And, 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 and Yuji just like, well, if, if, if Chosen came on, how do you think they would do it? And so we talked all about that. So I was That's just awesome. kind of curious. Yeah. Yeah, he he had read the script and he had he had some thoughts and and some, I mean everybody all the all the actors who played the legacy characters have thoughts about where their characters have been since and you know the guys have a specific excuse me vision for that too and but it's a collaboration and Yuji came in with some amazing ideas and uh, I mean I think one of the funniest scenes of the season is that scene with him and and Daniel and uh and kamiko at the ball at the restaurant and and just the staring like shooting that i just remember i was absolutely dying like just holding my breath because it was so funny and and part of that scene was just it, it, a lot of that i mean it was just his point of view and, and we did passes on it based on what he imagined chosen would be and he's just great he was just great to work with such such a pro just awesome i never would have imagined chosen as a prankster I know. It absolutely works. We have to do it. You got to do the honk. Yeah, it absolutely works. Um, So, first of all, congratulations on getting to be the one to introduce all three legacy characters. Thanks. That Uh, was, yeah. How did that happen? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh, no pressure whatsoever. You're just bringing back these three beloved franchise characters, you know? You know, it's, so, so, when, so, originally, originally, uh, Allie was gonna only only be in one episode. Well, we, when we first broke the season, we were like, okay, we're gonna first see her face at the end of five, and then we'll scatter her throughout, and you probably won't see her until the end of nine, beginning of ten. And then we realized, like, no, we got it's Allie, it's Elizabeth Shue, we have her, we should give her as much as possible and stretch out everything. So we actually did a big reorder um, at the end of the season where we, we turned episode ten into two episodes, and they were still really long. Uh, and <laughs> Uh, and moved uh, originally the tournament board stuff was in episode nine, so that moved into episode eight. Uh, so it was totally luck. I was like blown away that I was going to get a chance to write Allie because I, I didn't think that was going to be the, the what was going to happen. And uh, I, I I don't know. I was with Kamiko especially with Kamiko and Allie. Those were the scenes I spent the most time on. Those are the scenes that I was like, okay, these have to be absolutely perfect uh or as good as possible um because i knew that these were actors we wanted to impress and you know we wanted them to be excited and and cuz i'm sure they were nervous about coming into this you know everyone is you never know you want to come off looking good it's been a, a long time and you want to make the fans happy and you know we we took a lot of care on those scenes in those episodes and i'm i'm super proud of how they turned out um and how the fans feel about it so I, I think it was amazing how, how much was kept under wraps. I mean, I think because the fandom wanted Allie back so much, I was in, you know, in that uh, little minority who didn't want her back for that specific reason. Like, no, at this point, now they can't have her because you motherfuckers are going to take this away from us. The surprise. <laughs> so I, I love that, um, you know, the uh, episode three where, you know, we see the back of somebody who looks like Allie, that fake out. I just uh, I, oh I did appreciate gosh. that because it it kind of made me sip, settle back and be like, OK, there's no Allie. So when it came, it was actually a real surprise. Yeah, that was something we had talked about real early about 
Um, well, that was something we debated in the room was sort of like, okay, when do we want Allie to come in? And we were like, you know what, with Johnny and Miguel, Allie is going to create a, a – cre- Allie is going to affect Johnny whenever she shows up. And Johnny has no idea that Allie exists uh, or that Allie has responded to him, you know, coming out of the end of two, uh, season two. And we were like, we should just – I think it was just a pretty definitive decision early on from the guys, especially that, like, the first five should be about Miguel and Johnny. It should be about their relationship. They're fixing the relationship. We got to focus on that. And then allowing Allie to come in at the end of five is like, okay, now she's going to affect the entire back half, which was like really cool to kind of talk about and break. And, and uh, because, you know, even in episodes that she's not in, you just feel her presence, which is super important and super crazy to have a character like that. That is that important, even when she's not there, um, especially to Johnny and, you know, and, and to the fans, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and and you know I, I yeah. I don't um, know if that answered your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I do have to um, apologize to you now. Finding out that you may have seen some of my live tweeting, because <laughs> I was probably the first member of that minority that didn't want Allie back, and I was sure. definitely one of the most vocal. And when the divorce line came out of her mouth, I was like, oh, my God, why did you do this? You did not have to do this. This was not. I was so mad. I was so. Well, I wasn't really mad. I was scared. Sure. I was really scared because my 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 point with Allie all along has been, no, she you know, she messed him up enough when they were kids. She's going to come back if she's single, you know, then she'll mess the whole thing up. And I used to argue with people that were like, oh, she's coming back divorced and it's going to be a love triangle. And I'm like, that is just lazy writing. (laughs) And I really should have known that you wouldn't do that. But I was a little scared. We wanted to to tempt. We wanted to tempt Johnny. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I understand that feeling. And look, that was something that I'm, you know, I'm sure a lot of the fans, we knew that tons of fans were going to want Allie back and wanted to see Allie back with these two other, with Johnny and Daniel especially. And we we just, like, I know the guys wanted to, I, the, the fact that she was divorced was something the guys, like, that was day one. They knew that she was going to be, uh, Schwarber was going to be gone. Mm. Not only because of Johnny being tempted, like, oh shit, like, is this a, something that might happen? But also... We wanted to, you know, have Johnny kind of reevaluate his own relationships and 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 the relationships he's messed up so that, you know, he could get to a place where he and Daniel can join forces, you know, to take on Crease going into the next season. Like to me, the season has always been about getting Johnny and Daniel to a place where they can step into that backyard together. Mm-hmm. You know, and every episode feels like it's getting closer or dragging away. But that was like to me the mental goal um, or the headspace goal. So, you know, having Ali show up and having Ali be such a big um, part of that was like super important uh, to me, uh, to the, to, to the show, to the guys. Um, so, so it's funny to hear the, the fact that you weren't happy to hear, you weren't happy to hear that uh, she was divorced, but I think I'm glad to hear that you were happy by the end of it. I was, <laughs> I, she, she served her purpose. They needed to get past her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, 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 it, it, the rest of it happened in episode 10. But um, sure, she just you nailed her character, by the way, um, for where she would be now from who she was when she was 17. I think you absolutely nailed it. Thank you. 
uh, uh, Elizabeth Shue actually had a big part in just like kind of talking about she didn't want she didn't imagine Ali was the person who was like she imagined Ali did all the right things and is now later in life regretting it and right and and that was such a super helpful uh uh you know point of view to bring into it and and honestly I just watched like a ton of those scenes with Ali and just tried to like kind of absorb how she talked and and the way she talked and and the fact that she you know probably eggs eggs on you know she she eggs on daniel and karate kid and and she mentions that she probably egged him on in 10 uh when with the breakup that was something we talked about a lot in the room the fact that it was like oh yeah i'm in love with him daniel um, yeah so so uh just trying to capture that was was really fun and i don't know she was a blast to 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 write for well, let's stick with Ali. Um, you just mentioned the the breakup. What was the discussion like in um, having her finally give her side of the story of the, the breakup that we heard about in um, the beginning of the Credit Kid Part Two? So I I remember pretty distinctly what that conversation was like. It started with uh, the room watching the scene from Karate Kid 2 of like hearing the story and then like looking at the fan transcripts that people had made and trying to get word for word what is what is the canon of this <laughs> and and then also you know uh, taking that and being like okay well here's what we're stuck with so what can we work with within these limitations and just pitching a ton on like what if it was this what if the guy was a friend and and honestly it feels like we came to that conclusion pretty quickly of like what the story was going to be in terms of like, oh, there was a guy, she was talking to this guy, it may have came off flirtatious, and Daniel, maybe he was drunk and, you know, off of coming out of prom. Or maybe he was, um, you know, he saw that at a party, he got upset, and then at prom probably came up to her. Uh, and I apologize to the big three if I'm messing up the specific details of what we talked about. I can't quite remember the exact details, but, like, we had the basic backbone figured out. Um, and then, yeah, and then when we brought it to script and through the characters, you know, point of views and what they probably remembered, you know, it kind of filtered through that. But yeah, it was, we were, we were definitely trying to make sure like, okay, this is what the canon is. So what can we work, work with? I mean, it it makes the most sense. I mean, everybody on, in, in the franchise, the, the, the legacy movies and, and the show, everyone's always jumping to conclusions. So it just made sense for Daniel to um, jump to conclusions. And and Josh Hield even tweeted out one time that he's the, the UCLA football player. So, (laughs) <laughs> um, so yeah, I can see it just being a friend. I mean, we saw the picture of Josh Hield, Elizabeth Shue back to back in front mm-hmm. of that tree. So yeah, totally and Josh, brutal. hey, Josh is, and Josh is the one calling him a bully. It's all canon. It's the same <laughs> yes. guy, it's the UCLA guy yelling go. down at him in that uh, in episode one. I like that. Um, so saved by the cell phone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was there ever a discussion of having Johnny and Allie finish that kiss or was she always going to be there to push him back to Carmen? You know, I think we talked about it a little bit of like, you know, when we're writing this stuff, we always go down the path of like, okay, well, what if they did kiss? What would happen? Uh, what would be the, you know, the consequences? And I think pretty quickly we, we knew she, they didn't want to kiss. We knew that, that, there's something just more interesting about the fact that it's like seeing your ex and, and now honestly treating the two of them. I think a lot of people would expect us to treat those scenes. The, the, the way we wrote those scenes, like you would expect that to be Daniel instead of Johnny. And this felt like an opportunity to be like, what were, what was Johnny and Allie like before that radio? Like they they were happy. They probably were in love at some point. And it'd be more interesting to see how those scenes play out. But, but we want, you know, we wanted 
Johnny to reevaluate all of his, like I said, all of his relationships and, and to have it go back to Carmen and to have seeing your ex kind of make you reevaluate your relate, your current relationships. Um, so I, I don't think the kiss was ever like in serious contention. We wanted there to be an almost kiss. Okay. So, like we wanted that moment of like, is this going to happen? Like, are the fans going to lose their mind in a minute? Um, but, but I don't think I, I don't, I could be wrong and the guys can correct me, but I'm pretty sure we never, we talked about there never really being a true kiss. I don't know what the alley fans were doing. I know that I was screaming. No, (laughs) I mean, I I was screaming. No, just because, you know, of how the episode started out with him and Carmen, Um, Mm. you know, because I love, I love the character of Carmen. I love the character of Allie's, you know, she's fine. But, uh, you know, like what you were saying, you know, the, the the temptation for Johnny, like it's there. And I, I, I think, just us being at the edge of our seat, like, are they going to do it? Is it happening? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, it's happening. And then it stops, and, so. In those episodes, like, they're just as much about Allie trying to work through something, too. Like, like the fact that she's divorced was something we were just, like, she's divorced, she's home for the holidays, she's away from her kids for the first time in years around this time of year, and, like, she has to be working through something, too, and that was something really interesting for us to all discuss, and... That, like, I, I think, you know, the fact that she goes back in on her own instead of going home with Johnny or giving Johnny a ride home, because there's that temptation again, you know, and and for her to just be like, go back inside because she clearly has her own journey that she's going to go to. And this this these episodes were just as important for Allie, I think, as they were for Johnny and Daniel. Oh, yeah. And between the two, um, I am now perfectly fine with Allie coming back whenever she wants to, because I think she and Amanda would be fantastic friends. Oh, my God. Those scenes together are the, the best. I they mean, really they're are. the best. Courtney, Hanger, Courtney is just, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Elizabeth Shue is is incredible too. But like, Courtney is just she's just an MVP this year. Oh, oh yeah, oh absolutely. yeah. Her timing is just a phenomenal. Fantastic scenes yeah, at the yeah. police precinct and and all of those. Um, oh yeah, that scene is great. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of dialogue Allie gives about being like you know, good wife, good doctor. Is that an Easter mm-hmm. egg to Tamla Tamita at all? The good doctor. Oh, funny. Uh, no, no, it isn't. <laughs> uh, but I like it. I like that. <laughs> I forgot that she's in that. Yeah, um, yeah. Is that that came a lot of that came from Elizabeth Shue, like just the feeling of wanting to have always done the right thing and been the good wife, doctor, all that stuff, and feeling that pressure to 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 do that so that that's kind of where that came from but i love the fact that that could be a easter egg <laughs> yeah, you might as well just claim it now <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah it's an easter egg sure yeah. so you actually got to write a lot of like fan favorite things this year because you got to write the culmination of johnny and carmen that we've been waiting for since season one two mm-hmm. um so that conversation between them is so flirty and so adorable and i love it <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, uh, it's a long time coming, I think. Right. Uh, and I, I was very happy that we got to break the TV again this year. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> that, like I, I don't remember how it came up, but now I've been just pushing, like, how can we break the TV? We have to break a TV every year. I'm sorry. It's just now it's just what happens. And you um, know what? The fans have been saying the same thing. Johnny cannot keep <laughs> a TV. Three years, three broken TVs. And I, at the same time, I'm like, yeah, and three years, three cars. That's like that's like my favorite thing is the fact that he is, has that car. Like he just drives he's, that. Yeah, he's that just driving around in a stolen <laughs> Pontiac Villager or a well, Dodge Caravan. I mean, or... Dodge Caravan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Car- Caravan. I mean it's stolen, um, but Daniel knows about it, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that scene, that that the, the scene with them in bed is just like, just fun, cute. Like the two of them actually like, okay, this happened. What's the future with us now and all that? Um, right. It's a great scene, and those two are are awesome. Um, they're they're both incredible actors. Uh, right, and it, it's so totally in character for Johnny to roll over the you know the morning after and go, hey, you're pretty hot. Like, yeah, I mean, what? it's just that eighties man. It's great. <laughs> It's I mean, great. I, I think there was a little fan service for the Johnny girls and boys, you know, who um, we we got some '80s teen beat uh, Johnny oh, Lawrence, yeah. basically, and and also shirtless <laughs> Billy Zapka. You know, what more do you got want? Got a lot of shirtless Billy Zapka this year. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh God, <laughs> those photos should not have been legal. That child was eighteen. <laughs> I know. It's it's so funny. Those photos are so great. I remember him sharing the the pile with the guys and being like, "Which ones do you want to take?" And it's just like so many so many options. Oh my god! And the scary thing is, those were published in magazines meant yes. for people my age at the time, right? Like eleven, oh, twelve. <laughs> what? It, it's Definitely. just like what were we doing in the eighties? Because apparently, softcore porn in children's magazines was perfectly fine. Definitely kickstarting a lot of puberty back then. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's disturbing to look back at it and go, oh, God, I, didn't. I mean, my kids had the Internet at that age. So. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, 304, the um, you also got to be the one to bring back Homeless Lynn. Oh, yeah. Who mm-hmm. had some of the most amazing lines she's <laughs> ever had. Um, Thank you. The the so yes yeah, stalking me, um, oh, yeah. and uh, calling Johnny pretty boy. Which, Goldilocks too. Yeah, Goldilocks mm-hmm. and pretty boy. Um, I I, I love that. But that whole conversation with with Robbie and Johnny that's a that's a really pivotal moment in the season where Robbie you know tells him he doesn't need him anymore. So how did you approach that anyway? Had I mean, because I know that the story has to flow. So had you read scripts before and after that scene? Or oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're we're constantly like I, I don't think I had read the script at that point because I don't think the script was fully written. I think Stacy and I were both writing our episodes at the same time. But but you know, we're looking at the board of where these characters are at the begin. You know, in every episode, and and we knew that like okay, well Johnny had just made this choice. Uh, to help Miguel and to cho- he chose Miguel over Robbie again. And we knew that that was going to be detrimental to Robbie. And and like I said about the whole, this season about getting Johnny and Daniel to a place where they can step into that backyard together. This season was also just as much about trying to get about getting Robbie into Cobra Kai that we knew that that was where we wanted him to be at the end of the episode of the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to be like, that was a needle to thread. Um, and, and we needed to be really careful and really specific and make, hopefully make the right choices to get him there in a way that you believe it. And it doesn't feel like a jump the shark. Like it, you have to feel like it's in character. So, you know, coming into that scene, we knew it was going to be pivotal because at the end of it, you know, uh, you've got crease saying, hello, son. Um, yes. So we wanted to make sure that that scene worked for both characters. Um, and, and yeah, it was really, and, and the Lynn stuff, I mean, we love Lynn and we love, I love writing Lynn. We all love writing Lynn and we, we try to want to sneak these characters in wherever we can. And, and having that is also just a nice, like little bit of a, um, break of, you know, just have a little bit of lightness. Right. Uh, right. Get into the heavy, heavy stuff. Um, so she's always fun to, to kind of throw in there and especially those two where it's, you know, it's like, come on, man, what are you doing here? Um, right. it's great. 
it, it was really nice to see her because uh, Susan Gallagher sent me a homeless Lynn face mask. And so my son's like, oh, that's that's the he pulled out the mask. He's like, hey, this is that lady. Right. I go, yeah. And, <laughs> oh, God. and, and also um, he refers to her as the homeless lady. He calls him Goldilocks. So that that has stuck with him. So that's great. Um, it's that's a great, great line. Uh, I I wanted to kind of just um, Brianna, did you have any more on on the like Johnny Robbie stuff? I, I wanted to kind of transition to Kumiko and start talking about the Okinawa stuff. Um, just that overall, and you got to, you know, touch on it again in episode nine with the, the snake, John, um, Robbie's story mm. this year, you were going for believable. You absolutely hit it. Um, it's also heartbreaking, devastating, painful to watch, but uh, definitely something very realistic and a path that you could see him getting dragged down. Thank you. Yeah. Um, um the, 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 so the, the funny thing is, um, you know, when we're writing these episodes, when we're breaking these episodes and we have like the cards on the wall, because remember, this is the, we wrote this pre pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we were in a room uh, together uh, and we had all the cards on the wall. And I remember us trying to think of like what what is going to be the the, the Robbie story. We knew that what the emotional beats of Robbie's storyline were going to be like with with Cobra Kai and nine. Mm-hmm. And we just were like, OK, well, what? What is going to be the thing that they're doing? And I'm not joking. Since season two, well, I guess that's not that far. But I think season one or two, we were talking about stealing a snake from the zoo. And and that was something we we just like, we loved that idea. Also, having the snake in the Cobra Kai dojo was like a season one thing the guys had pitched. Like, we have to have a snake in the dojo at some point. Um, and the fact that it gets loose was something else that we talked about. Uh, uh. And, and, uh, and uh, uh, so, so, yeah, so... But the snake in the zoo was something that we had just been talking about for a long, long time and them stealing a cobra from the zoo. So when we were trying to break, like, what's going to happen episode in this episode, in episode nine, we were like, oh, what if this is where we put that? And we just were like, yes, yes, yes. And I remember John coming in and us being like, okay, here's the story. Robbie and Cobra Kai break into the zoo to steal a cobra. And he's like, I'm, let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, so we were really happy to finally find a home for that storyline um, because it's just, the idea just made us laugh so hard and it works with all the Robbie stuff. And then you've got this like chosen one thing, like, wait, Robbie caught the snake. Is he the ultimate snake? Like there's just so much great stuff in that, having that storyline. So, okay. So when you guys say that you hold on to storylines and you can't mention what didn't get added, you're not actually lying because they the the storyline that didn't get used in season one ends up in season three. Yeah. And if anyone had told us, oh, well, we were going to put a snake in the dojo, then we would have been completely spoiled for, you know, Stanley moving into the dojo there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like we we yeah, we're tight lipped for a reason about stuff that doesn't make it um, because I feel comfortable saying stuff that like we reorder because it's all there. It's just, you know, different iterations you know to get the season to get the season working the right way like the guys are really specific about that so but yeah we we try to hold on to everything uh because you never know when it's going to be useful (laughs) and this season Uh, was was why you couldn't answer me about where sam's quote at the beginning of 209 came from Mm -hmm. as soon as she said it i was like there it is that's why he Mm -hmm. couldn't tell me (laughs) yeah i remember us like i remember the guys saying we got to find a place to put that line and that was that was the perfect spot for yeah. that conversation. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now you know. <laughs> uh, Kyler has a line in the zoo about his dad shitting in his mouth. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Insight on that. Um, so that is, we had been joking. So, so that started in the writer's room where we, we, you know, we talk about characters' backstories and we, we thought that Kyler has a dad that, you know, Kyler has a dad that, that, that does not have a good relationship. Like they don't have a good relationship. And the dad, like, I don't think he's abusive, but we, we were thinking that like, he has a bad, he has a very like intimidating dad in his life. And we never talked about the detail of what that thing was, but the running joke and the, the, the like thing that we're like, ah, his dad shits in, shits in his mouth. That's like the filler version, but we were going to, we would eventually come up with a better thing. Um, so that was like the running joke in the writer's room was like, yeah, so, you know, Kyler, after his dad shits in his mouth, he comes into school, he's in a bad mood. You know, it was just a running, it was just a writer's room joke. So when we were writing episode nine, and it always made me laugh. It was just always so funny to like make that joke. We always made that joke in the room. So when we were writing that episode and I had that thing, I was like, okay, I'm going to write this line in. I don't know if it'll stay, but it's really just to make the big three laugh. And and if it does stay, to make the other writers laugh. Uh, and I remember when I got notes back, I think Josh was the one who sent me notes. He said that he laughed out loud at the shitting in mouth thing. So it stayed. And uh, and now it's great to see other people laugh, too, because it's just I don't think it's really what happens at Kyler's home. Right. But not. it's just so uh, but it's just such a funny thing for someone to say anyway, like just even if he's just overblowing it. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's just a, a fun, funny line. Well, so. Uh, the callback to 110 was accidental. What do you mean? When Johnny's giving his big pep talk and he talks, hey, everything's wonderful and life comes along and takes a big steaming shit in your mouth. Oh, yeah, that was definitely, yeah, yeah. Uh, not a callback to that. At least not a conscious callback to that. Again, yeah, no, of course. It was uh, the plan all along. Yeah. Oh, okay, um, absolutely. No, no, that, <laughs> not, a conscious, not a conscious callback. It was, I, I added that line literally just to make those guys laugh. Okay. Um, yeah, because, uh, you know, I promoted uh, an upcoming interview with Josa, who's, you know, our first mm-hmm. interview, and John shared it and hashtagged it, shit in the mouth. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I figured I love that something... that's the thing now. Yeah. It's great. It's just, it's just like, we just think that, I don't know, it's just such a funny, I just like, I, it just also feels like such a teenager exaggeration, where it's like, I gotta pass this class, and it just felt like the perfect character, it added to the story, it just, I don't know, it's just such a... I don't know. It's and he nailed it. Like he is so funny this season, uh, and he's funny in season one too. And we're glad that we were able to have him back uh, to 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 bring Kyler back. So he's great. Yeah, good lines. I liked it. Uh, what about the um, the soccer game? Because mm-hmm. that that is you know something that got brought forward from the movies because Daniel mm-hmm. was a soccer player and and Johnny and and them were varsity soccer players. So now we find out that you know Hawk's pretty good at it too, juggling with his knees just like Daniel taught Allie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the uh, use of uh, rock and roll over you over yeah. that uh, from Karate Kid Part Two. So that whole thing, um, that's kind of where the Miyagi Do kids start going mean. Mm-hmm. So how did you work that out? Like with Gianni's like very peaceful, you know, nerdy attitude, and Sam's I don't want to fight you. You're my friends. You're not my enemies. You know, attitude from the first two seasons. We we wanted this episode to be like so so another big storyline that we talked about was like Sam's PTSD mm-hmm. and how the first half is like Dark Sam, which uh, is something I know that that Mary has coined and and the other fans have, have coined also. She goes Dark Sam kind of in the first half, and then after that fight at the at the laser tag arena, you know now she's dealing with the PTSD and like 
with her family, with, with Daniel, um, trying to come to a place where she can, you know, when she faces Tori again for real, she can face her. Um, mm-hmm. And we knew that episode four was going to be a lighter one, but we wanted there to be a little bit of the a war between the two of them, uh, between the two dojos at school, because, you know, that's also something we wanted to at least pay off in some way coming out of the end of season two is seeing um, these two factions, you know, okay, they fought each other, you know, pretty roughly in that, you know, to put it mildly, uh, in, in season two. So what is it like now for these two? What are the consequences of that? And we wanted to see Miyagi-Do start to fight back uh, through Sam, um, especially now that, you know, Hawk and Cobra Kai has kind of a handle on them through Blatt, Counselor Blatt. Mm-hmm. So we saw the soccer not only as a way to call back the originals, but also like, okay, well, wouldn't it be fun for them to use karate through the game? Uh, so, so that was pretty fun. And, you know, having, giving these characters a moment, you know, like his characters, like, you know, like, uh, like, uh, Dimitri are getting more athletic. So mm-hmm. we can see a little bit more athleticism from him and, and, you know, tripping him and stuff like that. Um, so that was kind of where, where it came from. And, um, a lot of it is just, you know, choreographed from our, our great stunt guys, you know, Hiro and, and Janelle, um, who do all the stunts, you know, we, we were just like, here's some ideas of what it could be. And they kind of just went with it. Um, and and brought back some awesome choreography for those for those moments. A lot of balls in the face. Um, yes, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where it started. Um, uh, yeah. No, I, I I'm glad that this conversation came up because there was a, a super random tweet that I had before the release of season three. Um, I don't even know what what caused me to to tweet it out. I was I, I think I was just kind of just fed up about people like, you know, shitting on Miyagi Do and and characters <laughs> like Sam and Dimitri. Um, and I, I just said, you know, I hope season three shows that Miyagi Do aren't, aren't pussies and things like that. And so I, I think we definitely get that here. Um That's good. Now speaking with a lot of you guys, uh specifically the writers and and uh the big three, I understand that um the writers are often are the ones that um, pick the song choices in certain scenes? Was that your uh, decision in the soccer field? Uh, no, that was not my decision. Uh, I think I, I didn't add a song for that moment. Um, some, you know, a lot of the writers do that. I, I tend not to for the most point. Some, sometimes I do if the guys are like, hey, maybe for this scene, if you want to come up with like a good needle drop um, to pitch. Um, but but for the most part, I, I tend to stay away unless I'm imagining something specific. But uh, I usually leave it up to the guys because it's, you know, they're they're going to be making the song choices and unless I have a really strong idea. So so that's a long way of saying, no, I did not pick that song choice, but it's a perfect moment for that scene. It's so great in 80s and it's, it's awesome. I, I thought so, too, because a, a friend of mine, he asked me, um, he's the one who actually went with me to go meet Yuji Okamoto. And I told him, I go, I, I'm not sure, you know, it, it could be a thing where like that very episode we see Chosen and Kumiko. Like maybe it's a song that they wanted from the Credit Kid Part 2, but it made no sense to put it in the bar with Daniel and Kumiko. So they put it in, you know, the, with the kids. So yeah. I, I, I thought maybe yeah. that's what it was. Mm. You know, the, the guys, the, I don't know who, who made the song choice. I assume it's the big three um, in, in editing. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, you know, we just I that you just want something bubbly and it's a nice callback mm-hmm. to the original movies too. Uh but uh, yeah. Okay, so what you're saying is I shouldn't yell at you about co-opting Daniel and Allie's song for Tony. <laughs> can't can't yell at me for that. Uh okay. but uh I don't think I was in script. Maybe it was. Um <clears throat> but yeah, you know, we wanted to I'm assuming you're talking about for the uh uh golf and stuff. Is that what Yeah, you're for Field of Night, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, we wanted to like recreate that moment of the, it's like Daniel and John, Daniel and Allie, but what if it was Johnny and Allie? Uh, so I don't think you can yell at me specifically for that one, but, um, okay. but if you want to yell at me for it, go for it. No, 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 no. You're you my favorite. I never our, yell at you. Our season three reaction. You already did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I yelled me. a lot. Um, <laughs> Now, I kind of misremember, but was there a reason that Field of Night wasn't used in the first season? Was, wasn't there like a problem that they couldn't get it? You guys couldn't get the, get the song for that one? And it ended up going uh, with Young Hearts? I don't Hearts? know. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe it was a question of not getting it. I could also see it being a thing where we wanted to save that song, potentially. Because um, I, think, I think, you know, there was a talk at like maybe potentially using it in season two also between like Daniel and Amanda um when they when they make up at the end of being towards the in the back half of season two but i remember us saying like no no no, we should we should save that we don't want to it seems weird to use your ex's song to bring together two people you know <laughs> like that was the other reason why like glory of I think love it fits. Yeah. right that's why glory of love was became you're the inspiration yes so you know stuff like that um so but i can't i can't remember i don't know if i was i probably wasn't a part of that i probably wasn't in the room when that conversation was happening um for season one so i'm not sure okay um i don't think i have anything else specifically about these two episodes peter if you want to go ahead and get into who you want to talk about okay Mm -hmm. um before that in because i keep like forgetting and remembering this this uh thing so during the lull while we were waiting for the release of season three i you know just started making some photoshops based off of just random theories and such um and michael you you follow us on on instagram as well and so i i'm pretty sure you saw the the photoshop of uh, i made of uh, miguel at miyagi do wearing a white gi uh, and also Robbie, say, uh, yeah. yeah, Robbie increased inside um, the Cobra Kai dojo. So it, has there been any times where like something, and and not just like from us, but just from the fans, like something, whether it's a art or uh, a tweet, something that comes out, has it ever been brought up? Like, hey, did somebody say something to someone? You know, like, has that ever been a discussion? <sighs> You know, I, I'm on a I'm on a text chain with you, with the guys and with Joe and Luan uh, about about Cobra Kai stuff. Um, and I'm I know the guys have definitely sent a few. Like, can you look at this? So close. I don't think there's ever been any moment where we're like, who leaked something? Okay. Um, because production was so so, we cracked down as hard as we could um, to make sure that nothing got leaked um, because we wanted you guys to react the way you did and be surprised. Um, and I think Netflix did a good job marketing the the big reveals uh, or some of the fun reveals and and leaving plenty uh, unsaid like Allie. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't think there's ever been a moment where we were like, oh my god, who leaked it? Right. I think there were moments where we've definitely been like, oh they're oh they're so close, they don't know how <laughs> close they are, but we're not gonna you know and and also like now that more and more people are you know now that people know that I'm a, I'm a writer on the show. I have to be very careful about liking certain images and making sure right. that people do not take that as a uh, sign that I'm uh, that they nailed it or that they're correct. So if I if I like that photo, hopefully it was read as I this is good Photoshop and it's a funny. Wouldn't that be right. nice? They, you're um, liking it as a fan too. Yes, as a fan too. Uh, but I try to be careful about, it, especially when people ask, like, are these two characters going to get back together? I can't like it because then they'll be like, well, what does that mean? That that 
that means it must be a yes that they're going to get back together and then expectations and disappointment it, it ensues and you know hey Brianna <laughs> doesn't this sound familiar like hey I don't know anything about that <laughs> Michael just like this. What, what do you think that means but John didn't like it <laughs> that's, that's on the other we're, side we're aware of that we're, we're con- trying to be conscious of that so that actually surprises me then that uh John liked and retweeted the poster that I had of Johnny and Daniel together saying that, you know, they may have the, 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 what was it? The war for the soul of the Valley has begun. They may have lost the battle, but they will not lose the war. Like absolutely talking about them teaming up and he liked it and he shared it. So why did he do that? Because that's really damn close to what happened. Well, I mean, I can't speak for him. I mean, that's just how I. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just liking and stuff. Um, I mean, he. I mean, he. I mean, John is like such a big supporter of all the fans and all the artwork, and and he wants to show good work. And you know, it's like it's not like you you nobody knows what's going to happen before the season comes out, right? You no. know, uh, so so anybody could read that as as one thing or the other. Um, but I would read that more as like this art is awesome. Look at our how great. Look at the great work our fans are making. Um, as opposed to signing off on, yep, this happens. Um, cause you know, it's like, you know, cause, cause not sharing it to like, I don't know, from my point of view, if I didn't share something like that, then people are reading it to like, wait, does that mean that, you know, I don't know. It's just, you, you get into your own head a little bit. So I can't speak for John, but I, that work is awesome. So why not share it? Yeah. Well, you have no idea how many people made videos and posts and all kinds of stuff about that poster. Oh, it's official oh. because John Hurwitz tweeted it and this is going to happen. And, <laughs> oh, I got so irritated. Yeah. So in three or four, we get uh, a little nice Easter egg. Uh, we didn't get the all six, but it looks like we got like three like little ice blocks that the bartender breaks to, for for the ice. Well, do you have yeah. any insight on 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 that? Uh, yeah. Well, we knew we wanted to do a fake out with that. We want we wanted to at least reference the like the ice blocks, even though I know we did a reference in two. But you know, you're in Okinawa, you got to reference the Okinawa breaks, and it just felt like a funny, like oh, now it's now it's in a mixology bar, you know. Um, so so the number of, I think we had looked at a bunch of options with more than three, and I don't think those handles looked as good and. So we just decided on the three because honestly, you start with a close up anyway. So we figured, well, you're just going to see the ice breaking and people are going to think like, oh, funny. And then when you realize it's like a little bartender ice break, uh, it made more sense for it to be a little bit more compact. It, now, was that something that like the, 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 the prop department had to build, build make? I, I, I want to order one. I think they did make that. Yeah, I think they did make that. Our uh, our prop guy that that year, who, who's amazing, um, I'm... I apologize for blanking on his name right now, but uh, he was awesome. And I remember him bringing a bunch of, he actually like wrote, he, he had someone translate. Now I know we're not, we'll talk about that scene later, but the letter, the letters he actually yeah. translated, he found someone to translate all those letters, all those letters. So like we actually wrote uh, Joe and I, and I think Luan, we all wrote a bunch of letters to have translated along with the, the big letter. Um, that you would write. So our prop guy was absolutely phenomenal. And I feel bad that I'm, I'm not saying his name. Uh, but um, I think he built that ice thing for, nice. for that. This um, is the prop master for season three. Yes. The prop okay. master. For season okay. Three, yes. I'll have to look him up. Yeah. I, yeah. I did notice that each season has its own prop master. Do you have any insight into, into why that is? No, I, I mean, you know, some people 
it, that's just how production works. You know, mm-hmm. you hope to get people back and things either don't work out or people are busy and you kind of got to pivot. So it's just just the way it, it happens sometimes. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you already teased the letters. Let's let's get into that. Um, what, was, <laughs> what was the talk in the writer's room about, uh, you know, Kumiko helping Daniel with these letters from Mr. Miyagi to Yukie? So I think in, in early conversations about what these episodes were going to do is that we wanted it to not only help solve the, the business um, problems, you know, happening at the dealership, but we also wanted it to be an emotional thing where, you know, he's everybody. We wanted everybody to come to some sort of mending by the midpoint, you know, coming out of the season two finale. And we, we thought that, you know, Kumiko could help that in one way or the other. And that was the larger stroke thing. And I think it was Hayden who looked at the cards and was like, we need to have something. We need to have a scene that was, uh, uh, you know, really pulling into that Miyagi magic. And I and I think he was the one that pitched the letters. I, I can't remember. Um, but maybe it was. It might have been something the big three talked about, and then Hayden relayed to us. But I remember Hayden being in the room when when we talked about that. Um, and bringing that up. So that that was something that came on early on in the cards. And and when I heard that, I was just like, oh my god, yes, that yes, let's do it. Um, so. Yeah, that that's kind of where it's where it came from. Um, we wanted to have a scene where like Miyagi comes back to life, right? You know, yeah. Hear, so hear, who got hear the him without hearing him? Who got the task of actually writing the text of the letters? Because especially that's, the long one, just it, it it fixed so many problems for me, <laughs> and I bawled like a baby. <laughs> we all did that. That was my so, so the main. Both letters were written by me. Um, Joe, Joe, when I said we wrote letters, Joe and I wrote a bunch of other letters in case you might see them, um, you know, as background stuff. But but the main two letters, the le- the love letter and the because uh, that was another thing that we talked about in the room that the guy said early on was like it'd be f- or once the letters came up, it would be like, well, wouldn't it be funny if there was something dirty in one of them? Uh, you know, like like, you know, because they write to each other and they're in love. And, and we also wanted to pay off a little bit of what happens after Karate Kid 2. So after their relationship mends. Um so both the so the love letter and the and then the like the uh, the letter the week that you know he passed away uh, that me Mr Maggie passed away were both letters I wrote um, and they were very daunting tasks uh, because you know you want them to be emotional and fun and, and that was like the benefit of having the first letter is the first letter is kind of funny and light and and you get a good laugh and and it's sort of like dirty and and you get a little like a, a little peek behind the curtain that Mr Miyagi was a person. Uh, and and then the second letter was like that's the heartbreak. That's like oh god, this is like I rem- I remember Daniel remembers where he was around this time, right? So that letter had to be much much heavier. But then also like we wanted to have it, it had to do a lot of things. It had to talk about where Miyagi was, where is his headspace? You know, he's about to pass away. He probably knows it. He he is telling Yukie he loves her. He loves her, but it also we needed to help Daniel's storyline with the the path stuff. And and I actually remember um, pitching the like the the main part of that speech. The like what is the we we talked a lot about like what is the lesson going to be, and and I remember like writing down on a notepad and pitching the like it's it's people not signs that you know move you and and having that relate to Daniel. So it was something we talked about a lot and pitched in the room, and it was just like a joy to write. Um, and that 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 scene. So I, I think in my in the last time we spoke, I talked about like there was a movie that was in my head when I wrote a specific scene. So that is that is this. When I was writing the scene, 
and this is the, the guys are going to hate me for saying this, but when I wrote this scene, I was imagining the tone of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, uh-huh. when the turtles talk to Splinter in the fire and Splinter says, you know, all fathers care for their sons. And I, I don't know if that line is from that scene, but that was the mental headspace that I had writing that scene of like, I was wanted, I was imagining a quiet scene, candlelit, it's emotional, heavy emotional scene, um, but, you know, kind of quiet. And and that was kind of where that scene kind of started when I started writing it. it. In in the Ninja Turtles movie, isn't like following that scene, isn't it where like the turtles are all kind of sad and April's like, "What's wrong?" And they're like, "Splinter," you know, like is that. Kind no, of, no, no. This no, is no. the scene. This is the scene where they meditate and they see Splinter, and then in, they come after that. They, in they the forest. start fighting. Yeah. yeah, in the forest, they start yeah. being able to come back, and that's what. Then they're able to go back to the city after having that moment. So, so it was like it's a turning point in that moment, and in my head, it's like, okay, well, I love that scene, and that's the kind of feeling I wanted to have in my head while I wrote this scene because those scenes are very, very different. Yeah. Um, but I, that's like when I'm writing something, I like to have like a reference point, even if it's a vague, like, for lack of a better word, a vision board of like, what is the, what are the things we want to feel in this scene? And in that scene immediately jumped out to me as like, it's melancholy, but it's sweet. And you come out of it feeling good. And, and those were the emotions I kind of wanted to put into this one, into this scene, because, you know, it's, it's an emotional scene and it's, you know, there's, there's a little bit of romantic romanticism between the two of them, you know, when she reads the letter and, you know, I fell in love with you twice and and that line comes out and, you know, you kind of want to feel like, wait, is she also talking about the two of them? You know, now that they've seen each other, like, is there going to be a little bit of that happening? Um, so, so yeah, so that, that was kind of wh- where my head was going into that scene. I have to thank you for two things. Um, first of all, it's been a theory of mine since the very beginning that Sam called Mr. Miyagi Oji or Oji-san. Mm-hmm. So... Him saying that she makes him feel like a Tanme and the look on Daniel's face when Yokumiko know, tells him that means grandfather. Um, I have always just been completely in love with the idea of Sam thinking Mr. Miyagi was her grandfather. Um, I've, I've always loved that. And thank you so much for fixing the atrocity that was the next Karate Kid and making it plainly <laughs> clear that Mr. Miyagi still loved Daniel after the Karate Kid Part 3 and that he was still a huge part of his life, even though he was barely a line in the fourth movie. Thank you for putting that back straight. I will take your thank yous. I I mean, I think that's something we always talked about. And then we referenced that a little bit in the fact that, you know, they they trained and and they they have stories with Mr. Miyagi. So I, I, I can't take credit for that because that's something the guys clearly had in mind about their relationships. Um, and the grandfather thing was just like, and also I, I want to just point out, I want to call out um, Tamlin uh, Tamita because she was so great and so collaborative and she had gotten the scripts and, and was like, I, this has to be like, she had very, very, she was very strong, had a very strong opinion about making sure it was honoring Okinawa the right way and being honest and kind of doing, you know, being true to Okinawa and Okinawan culture. And she gave a lot of amazing notes and points about like, like Tanmei, I think in an early draft, I wrote so, uh, Sofu, Sofu, which is not the, apparently not the right word. And she said, no, it should be Tanmei and we should, and this is what the, the flower is. It's really this Okinawan cherry blossom and all this stuff. So she, she was like awesome about 
about pointing out all the like correcting all the great Okinawa stuff to make it feel true to Kumiko. Um, so I, I yeah, so I can't take full credit, but I but I'm glad I'm I'm glad that it made you happy because oh know, yeah, it's, it's in a great moment like that moment I love too when when the grandfather just hearing like I think it was important for Daniel too to like come into this thinking like oh okay this this man is like a you know was so instrumental to me and feeling like it was kind of one way a little bit you know especially at that point in his own life he he felt like he needed someone like that and then realized like well he was just as important to Mr. Miyagi as Mr. Miyagi was to him was something that was just like a nice a great feeling to hear and was important to Daniel's headspace and in the in the arc of the of the season so it's just like such and those two are so incredible like Tamlin and, and and Ralph in that scene are just like un, unbelievably good. And, and that is the first time that anything that's happened has brought Daniel actual tears on his face. This is the first time Daniel's cried. Yeah. So um had hope to be, that he had to be a big moment. Yeah. It's like um okay, well we'll hope that he holds on to that and um we get to see him do that more because him holding in his tears has always really bugged me. It's like this man needs to cry. Sure. And he finally has. So, uh, I, I think anybody that saw the Karate Kid two knows that the tea ceremony, you know, they, mm-hmm. the tea pot uh, there was a was an Easter egg. Um, now, well, we also wanted to like with that scene. Sorry, really quick, we that yeah. scene also we wanted to like have it have that feeling of the tea ceremony scene, you know, where it's like kind of dark and dim and it's like very close and like we were trying, like I remember looking at that scene and thinking like, okay, well maybe we can kind of recreate, or maybe I said it, where we can like recreate the feeling of that scene a little bit in that. Um, but yeah. continue, sorry. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, I was just going to say that um, we only get the um, introduction or reintroduction of Chosen at the very end of 304. Um, what was the discussion like about what he actually says? Because he says Danielson. And, and and that's it. Like, was there any talk about like, coward? You've returned. You know, Sato's line, and you know things like that. No, I I don't think we discussed too much about what the specific line was. Maybe we didn't. I'm just not remembering. I know we always talked about four and five being a part one, part two, and that like four was going to be a Kumiko episode and five was going to be a chosen episode and kind of keep those two more or less separate until you know Kumiko obviously is in five, but it's more of a more focused on chosen. Um, so I knew we just wanted Chosen to be at the end because it's such a great cliffhanger of like, oh, shit, he's back. Um, that was my and reaction. And then having it kind of, yeah, yeah, and then have it, having it reset, excuse me, with the two of them sitting there. So I, I can't tell you if there was any uh, dialogue that we had discussed, but I know we always talked about splitting it up like that. Um, okay, so... Your scenes, were any of your scenes in this episode filmed in Okinawa or were they all Atlanta? I believe the airport is Okinawa and him getting into the taxi is Okinawa. But the taxi was here, was in Atlanta, not here, because in, in, I'm not in Atlanta, it was in Atlanta. Um, I think in my episode, that's it. The only scenes that were in Okinawa were... Oh no no that's not true. Them driving down the outside, like okay. when you see the car driving. That that all the outside stuff is Okinawa, um, but him inside looking outside. I don't know if that was. Maybe it was half and half. I have a feeling it probably wasn't Okinawa, but um, I know we did. We actually found it with like our production is absolutely incredible. They found 
the car. They spent so much time trying to make sure that the car that we would have in Atlanta was the exact same car that we were going to have in Okinawa. Uh-huh. So that it looked so, you know, so that amount of like trying to like we went through a bunch of different versions of cars because we like one. They had to be the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't even know which scenes of him inside the taxi are Okinawa or not. I have a feeling most of them are on set uh, in Atlanta. Um, but that's it. All the stuff with like Kumiko, you know, in um, the in the letter writing at the at the you know at the cafe, the even the mall, all that stuff was Atlanta. Mm, oh wow! So we were, I mean, we were there um, in August. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they would have had time to. Is the mall a set or is the mall a, an actual location? So the mall is an actual location. Um, it is a, it's a place, it's a, it's actually a pretty well-known hangout in Atlanta. Um, I don't know what the name of the place is called, but there's like a, 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 a what is it called? Like, um, uh, what is it? Uh, there's the, there's like a, a club that's called Purgatory and there's like a lot of heaven, hell, Purgatory mm. <laughs> oh, words wow. in that section for some reason. But, uh, but it's mostly a place where like teenagers hang. So it was, it, we, I think the, our, our well, Ryan Berg, um, who, who does designer. all the, you know, set, he's the set designer. He did an incredible job, um, turning that mall into the, um, into the Tomy Village Green, yeah. uh, um, and designing like, okay, we're going to have, this is going to be a CGI scene or we're going to add this scene in post and we'll add this scene in post. Um, but, but he, you know, all the cherry blossoms and, and ha- adding all these like different, you know, insignias and stuff like that. So, so that was something that he built, like, I want to say the day before, maybe two days before at most. Oh my God. Um, yeah, there these guys are, inc- him and his team, Ryan and his team are like unbelievable. Um, the amount of stuff that they do because, uh, we, we actually were going to shoot at a different location and we, we, we lost it at the last moment. So we pivoted to this one and this one actually worked out better. It feels more contained. Yeah. Um, yeah. And feels more, you know, like a like a like a mall, like an outdoor mall. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it worked. Turned out great. Wow. Um, uh, as we get ready to wrap up, I'm sure uh, Rihanna probably has a, a few more questions. My my thing, and this came from like um, our previews of like the, the trailers and such. Um, Brianna, you made the comment like, "Oh, Daniel's wearing like a tourist shirt." So. Uh, I, I know you, I know you're not Frank Helmer, and we would love to speak with him too. But any insight to why they're both kind of wearing similar designs uh, in, in that bar? Daniel that's a better Tozo? question for that's a better question for Frank. But okay. I, from what I've heard, and uh, Frank, please correct me if I'm 100 percent wrong. But from what I remember, there was a lot of talk about like what is kind of this the wear that that is like the casual wear in Okinawa and trying to capture a mm-hmm. little bit of like. I, I actually don't know if that's true. So that don't. I don't know if okay. that's true, um, but I'm trying to like remember if that was like it's either that or it's like trying to kind of recapture what they were wearing in the original movies. Um, but it's supposed to be just a feeling of like this is just the casual wear that they have. Um, so yeah. So, but Frank Frank could answer better than I could. Um, yeah. And Frank's awesome. His his yes. costume design choices are his costume design stuff is like unbelievably good. Pretty good. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I I love the way you did the um, the opening scenes with Daniel at the um, he's sitting at the bar getting drunk and everything else is flashback, mm-hmm. and it just that's a genius way to lead into an entire episode that is like this real life flashback for him, and I thought that was brilliantly done. 
Thanks. Um, that was that also just came out of um, it, it works narratively, like the way you say, but it also came out of a place of like we don't we didn't want to have to see everything linearly, like you know, especially in the cold open, it lets us do stuff like that. Um, but we didn't want to have to like okay, we have to watch him do the whole pitch and then that fails. Then we have to see him have the call with Amanda and see that. We want to kind of show it in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's nice when you have these moments that like help narratively, like you pointed out, which is great, like thematically. But then also like it's just more interesting to watch and it just helps us get get to the good stuff as soon as possible because we, we got to get to Okinawa. We got to get to the got to get him there. Um, right. so we want to get there as, as quickly as possible while still hitting those those plot beats. Very well done. Yeah. Yeah. Again, congrats on, on season three. We can't wait Thank for you. season four. And, you know, I know that you're uh, leaving here pretty soon in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Very, very yeah. excited. Season four is season four is wild, guys. It's, it's <laughs> going to be good. I'm excited. I'm excited about my episodes, too. I got oh, two episodes this Oh, don't start this already. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I can't say which one. already. Well, he I'm, did say I'm episodes. I'm excited to see it. It'll be fun. So, so we know it's more than one. Uh, and then also that means there's there's more than two episodes this year. It's confirmed. There's there's more than two episodes in season four. Um, okay, I bet they fight. That's an exclusive. Thank you. I bet they fight. A non-zero number sorry. of episodes. Less karate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's all I can say. I can't I can't confirm or deny whether people fight. So okay. I, I will tweet this immediately. We got confirmation. There's more than two episodes. Yep. Yes, that's yep. the only exclusive People I can heard give here you. First. <laughs> Spoiler! Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah, Michael, thank you so so much for coming back. Uh, it's always a, a pleasure and a joy to speak with you uh, and pick your brain about Cobra Kai. Of course. Uh, thank you guys again for having me. It was really fun. Anytime. Yeah. I, loved, I, lo- I love you guys. Love the podcast. Uh, love you. the fans. So, oh, I love you too. You know. Thank uh, you. Did, did you, um, by chance, check out our, like, season three predictions we also did like a uh, episode like okinawa theories or something like that or uh, i I just Uh, wonder i did not hear the prediction episode but i did listen to the to the reaction episode okay um so but i did not hear the predictions why well why do you ask oh um it i don't know if it was i think it was the okinawa episode which was way before the predictions but um I thought that maybe Daniel would go to Okinawa because he was invited to Yuna's um, wedding. Mm-hmm. It's a week out to see oh, Yuna, nice. and her name was given. So uh, I thought that was just kind of interesting that that she was brought back to just for such a small role uh, in, the, in yeah. the second movie. Yeah, we talked a lot. Just really quick, because I know you guys got to go, but we we talked about like how how are we going to wrap up the? We knew how we we're going to wrap up Daniel's emotional storyline, but we were like, how are we going to wrap up the you know the the Larusso Auto issue? Um, and we were like, okay, well maybe Kumiko did it or maybe Kumiko knows someone. And then the fact that it was like the bell ring girl, bell ringing girl, uh, Yuna, it was just like, this would be amazing. And it would be such a surprise that like, oh my God, did they get the same actress? Um, and it was just something that we we're like, okay, let's, let's see if we can do it. And it worked out and it's great. And I, I'll be honest, like I was one, I was able to be in the room the first time that Ralph and the actress who plays Yuna and, and, uh, Tamlin, uh, all saw each other for the first time. And it was like incredible to see them like oh my god you're back and the hugs and the warmth and the memories of those like just oh. sitting a table away and watching the three of them reminiscing was just like unbelievably special moment um that like i'll be like all of honestly being i i was not able to be on set for episode nine um and episode nine was special in its own way i think the only part i was there for for that block was the big fight in episode 10 the in the in the in the house i was uh-huh. able to be there for that and seeing that one table 
one-er was amazing. But uh, episode four is like super, super special to me. I was, it, 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 it meant a lot to me to be able to write that episode. Like when they told me I was going to write an Okinawa episode, it was like incredibly special and it meant a lot that I was going to be able to write this. I watched Karate Kid 2 like a ton, eight times to like, absorb it and make sure that we were recapturing all the scenes and the feelings of the, that movie and how great that movie is and underrated, I think for a lot of people. And like, so I this agree. season, especially like episode four meant so much to me and I wanted to mean so much to everyone. And I knew it was like an important episode and an emotional episode. And it just like, it just, it, it's always going to be shooting. Those episodes are always going to be so, so special to me and like memories I'm going to have like the rest of my life. Well, I mean, thank you for giving us the credit kid part two, too. <laughs> what did I call it? Part two, two, we, right? Yeah. We, in the writers' room, we were joke. We were coming up with titles for episode four and five, and the joke was that we were going to call episode four "Karate Kid Part Two, Part One," and then call <laughs> episode five "The Karate Kid Part Two, Part two. Okay. Um. So yeah, it's that would have been fantastic. It would have been great, but it would have given it away. We also knew that, like, if the names leaked, we didn't want to have names that were going to spoil what was going to happen. Um. So we tried to be a little conscious of that. Uh, oh, yeah, and then go. that ended up happening. I made a fake yep. poster with Daniel and Chosen on it for you guys. Um, yeah, that yep. was it's great stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess we didn't talk uh, much about the fight, but um, the line that stuck out to me, and apparently everyone on Twitter loved it just as much as me, but um, uh, Nathaniel's exchange to Bert, like, if you died, I wouldn't go to your funeral. Oh. Like. <laughs> Oh my god. So that that line I think is is a line from the guy. I think it's a line from the guys, their okay. their pitch. And the running joke in the room that I love is that Bird and Nate have this rivalry that may that may rival Daniel and Johnny's, but we never see it. Like we <laughs> right. never ever get to see the two of them actually argue except when they're together and that's like the funniest thing to me. And I think there's a little bit of that in 2 also in season 2. Um Yeah, there but is. But yeah, it's the best. It's the best that those two hate each other. Uh, for no reason. <laughs> right, right. It's, oh, it's great. It is. Okay, that that's it. Um, well, you know. my, oh, my yeah, favorite yeah, line, I'm going to jump in real quick. My favorite Please. line from that whole exchange from the dojo merger is that they actually have a sensei reconciliation plan. Oh my like God, yeah, these yeah. kids are aware they're going to have to intercede between Johnny and Daniel if this merger becomes a thing. And they have come up with, they're coming up with a plan, like a contingency plan to deal with it. And I yeah. love that. Yeah, it's so, so funny. Um, I think that lot. Yeah, it's great. It's it's just coming up with like, what are they going to be arguing about? Right. You know I, mean? I think that specific part is is a is a pitch from Bob Dearden, uh, who who is uh, uh, new on season three and in his back season four. He's awesome. Great writer and great dude. He's super nice and talented. He was on iZombie before. Um, I think that was his pitch. Uh, but it's it's super. I mean, that whole scene is just so fun. Just seeing the two of them to get the two. Uh, dojos together is like the best. Right, it is. Um, wait, that was in his episode. That wasn't in nine. I think. Yeah, that was, was right at the very end. Mm-hmm. Since a, I can say. you know, what? I did watch. No, nine no, and 10 that's back ten. I, is that the I beginning of 10? ten? It's in the beginning of ten because episode nine ends with them art with the two dojos arguing, and and Sam having that monologue about like, no, this has to work out. Because if it doesn't, and then in ten, I think that's the right sense of reconciliation. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. Nine ends on nine ends on Johnny seeing Daniel oh, talking right. to Allie at the country club. Yeah. Okay. Again, part one, part two. Um, right. So full credit goes to Bob. Uh, okay. For that. Um, but uh, but yeah, 
but yeah, it's still great. I mean, seeing those dojos together are great. Like I, I personally love Mitch in that scene. Um, um, the hat. Yeah the, yeah, the hat is great, and and <laughs> and uh, that that's my favorite moment from that. But uh, but no, thing. I'm glad you guys like those episodes, and and we're happy with the season. Oh, oh yeah. fantastic! If yeah. it, when we were down there, if you by chance had episode nine anywhere in your office, I understand why Hayden slammed your door in our face. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. We you guys couldn't couldn't know. We had to keep it as much a secret as possible. So yeah, uh, yeah, I'm that makes sense. I no one knew. Yeah, that's awesome. The whole season was awesome. Thank you for uh, talking to us. Thank you for writing brilliantly moments that we didn't even know we needed till we got them. And now we know we needed them all along. Thank you. Well, thank you guys. We, we, we do it because we're fans like you and this is stuff we want to see and stuff. We are in the room just being like, wouldn't it be great if this happened? Oh my God, that'd be so good. And, and it's nice to see the fans <laughs> react the same way we did when, when it came up in the room. So, yeah. Um, it's great. So thank you guys. And thanks. I will follow you guys anywhere. Write yeah. anything you oh, want. We'll, 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 we'll follow you anywhere. We're, we're that uh, Jeremy Renner gift. Like we're always like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we got, we got some fun other stuff cooking that I wish I could talk about. Um, but when it comes out uh, or when it's revealed, hopefully sooner than later, it'll be, it'll be good stuff. So. All right. Cool. Maybe, maybe Johnny will finally start an instant gram. So there we go. Yeah, there. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so thanks again, Michael, for joining us. And we uh, obviously hope to, to have you back again after season four. Anytime. Love you guys. Thanks again. And uh, have, a, have a good one. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.